Hello and welcome back everybody to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And tonight, George and Zach unfortunately unfortunately, are not able to join me tonight. I'm fortunate, however, to be joined by one of my Fantrax HQ brethren in Mick. I believe it's Mick Chalela. That was pretty good. Pretty close. <laughs> it was uh, good. Well, Mick, again, thank you for joining. Sorry for butchering your name a little bit. This is episode 34. We're going to do a little bit of buy low, sell high, or hold tight, as we call it here on this show. And the reason why it's called hold tight is because some of these, you know, buy lows or sell highs, some of these guys that in general you want to just hold on to for better or for worse. And we're going to discuss which ones we like to, or we would hold on to. And that's why there's a whole tight caveat. Because not everybody is a sell high. It is what it is. I mean, some guys that are performing well, you, you're better off holding on to, at least in our opinion. So uh, enough rambling about that. We'll get to it. But before we do, Mick, tell these guys a little about yourself, where they can find you, what type of work you do, all that good stuff. Well, I'm writing for uh, Fantrax HQ, much like yourself. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TheMick23. And again, I'm doing baseball and football. So yeah, lots of stuff on the HQ where you can find us. Obviously, like you said, I, I write there. I trust me. I say it every time I have a chance because, dude, it is still unreal to me. <laughs> I've been playing on Fantrax for a few oh, years Oh, I now, know. And every time I go to my team, on like because I play a lot of Dynasty Leagues, I, I look at my team and I see like, the little fantasy articles. I see my article there. Um, it's like what? <laughs> it still blows my mind. Well, the, the, the best of the email blast when you get an email blast and you're like, "Oh wait, I wrote that." Yeah. See, I haven't really noticed that one actually. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that. And yeah, how long have you have you been writing for them for a couple years now? Or yeah, it's actually been almost exactly. I think my I hit my two year mark last week, as a matter of fact. So yep, two years there. Jeez. When I originally got into this as a whole, like I was telling you a little bit off air that I just kind of jumped in f- two feet without thinking twice, and it was just strictly podcasting. I did not. Right. I I always said, you know what? I don't want to write. I'm not going to write. I I don't. I didn't really have that. <laughs> well, I didn't have that passion, but I didn't realize in order to really truly gain a following, so to speak, and to kind of build the podcast, you writing is the way in because people read your. You get hundreds more of, of reads and clicks on your articles than you do on the podcast initially. And I've noticed that the writing really, and the writing helps me grow more than being a, being a analyst on a podcast as well. Well, yeah, I think especially on the on the writing side, you can do more deep dives and that sort of thing. But it's funny because I'm kind of in the mode where I'm like, I should kind of get into some of the podcasting because I haven't done a lot of that. But yeah, the writing is definitely fun for me. And I was looking at my profile the other day, and I saw that I hit like 200 and something articles already, which is which is crazy. Well, it would take me. 200 something weeks to do that because i have the one weekly right <laughs> but uh, obviously i know fantrax is growing i guess and that's probably and part of that and part of that is like obviously you we, you we have guys do multiple sports you do football and baseball so bringing us on really helps alleviate some of the you know baseball stuff as you transition to football yeah it's definitely uh, it's definitely a work in progress but it's a lot of fun but it's just you know it's kind of interesting how it works out because you know in the beginning of the season i was doing you know a couple different articles including including the closer piece and then you know now once we get towards the summer and football they kind of wanted me to do some football and and luckily we got somebody like george to take over the closers uh article and he's done a great job with that so it's kind of interesting having like the moving pieces around right now how do you like doing two sports because honestly 
doing all this baseball stuff, man, I couldn't imagine putting out because it takes a lot of time and effort to do one sport. To do two sports, kudos to you guys. Not just you, but like a lot of people do multiple sports, and I don't get like it's really tough. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> it's it's a lot, man. How do you? How it do you definitely manage? is. It, it it definitely is. You know, it's one of those labor of love type deals. But for me, it's it's almost like, you know, I almost wonder if there's times where I'm like I'm not focused enough on one sport and I kind of wonder you know if I did the one sport if I'd be able to do it better I guess but I think it's also you know uh kind of interesting to have the versatility to do a couple different things and you know my first love was baseball and fantasy baseball um but it just so happens that I've been pretty successful with football in the past more so than baseball and so I think that's I think honestly, that's what kind of helped me get in the door at a fan tracks was, you know, I did pretty well in some football contests. And when I expressed some interest in writing about that, I think they kind of took a look at that and decided to give me a shot. So, you know, I do kind of prefer baseball, but I think football is kind of where my bread is buttered at this point. All right. Well, we have a little bit of technical difficulties. <laughs> I'll edit half. Oh, that good. Out. I'm going to edit half that out. Uh, I really don't know what's going on on my end. I think my mic just cut out, and now you say I sound clearer. So we're going to roll with it as long as you can hear me. We'll, we'll just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. All, all right. right. I'll, I'll figure it out later. All uh, right. Do it. Sorry, guys. And at that po- at this point, I guess that's a good way to kind of change. Just let's get to the information. People are kind of uh, – I guess people have heard enough about us and all that. So <laughs> I honestly forgot where I was even at, talking about when I, before I cut out. So – uh, we can just get right into the news and notes now. We just kind of covered a good amount last episode, so there isn't much new for us in this end. So we'll get, it's funny because what sparked me to ask you to join us uh, was uh, last night we actually talked about this a little bit on Twitter was the Brandon Woodruff injury. Apparently, yeah. they're, talking, they're talking six weeks or so, give or take. I'm trying. Uh, That's what I hear. It says about six weeks, so that, that could be more. That's why I say give or take. Uh, so if, if you're lucky, you're looking at a full September run, which is what four or five starts. Uh, we right, talk- and that's the thing. You know, depending on how your your league is formatted as far as playoffs go, you might be without him for the rest of the regular season, which is going to be tough. Is he droppable? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't want to drop him. I'm a huge fan, but I, again, I guess it depends on you know if you're trying to make a playoff push and you need help now. You know, it's worth considering. I mean, you mentioned that six weeks brings you to Labor Day, and that's, you know, probably best-case scenario and figure once he comes back, he's going to probably get babied a little bit. So I don't think you're going to see more than three or four, you know, typical Woodruff starts. So I don't know. I mean, I really would rather not drop him, but I certainly wouldn't fault those who do based on their circumstances. Yeah, and I'm see I I have to get better at that playoff idea because I lot of, I play a lot of roto I play so much roto that I do too yeah and, and so when you like, I do have to get better at thinking about the playoffs for people because I'm like what playoffs oh yeah Every, I do play some head to head categories points isn't my thing though but regardless at the end of the day I look at it like if you can make room for them keep them type of thing but don't force it right. He's the type of guy that you're better off holding on to if you are in first, second, or third place, if you can kind of weather the storm, so to speak. 
But if you need to make that playoff push, he's expendable. It's really that simple for me. If you're if you're making a push and you're kind of a fringe playoff team, he you can drop him for a piece that's going to help you get there. Because you need, and unfortunately, somebody might add him, but you need to, you need to get there in order for you to even be able to use him there. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. And, and like you know what you guys were talking about in the last episode with um, you know George saying that in that one league. He's winning, so he took a shot on Stanton because he can use him for the playoffs. So, yeah, if you are in a situation like that where you're going to make the playoffs, then definitely hold him. But, yeah, if you're, you know, fighting for the for the playoff spot, it's, it's tough to hold him. I'm with you. I play a lot of Roto in full season, too. So, for me, I'm more inclined to keep him because my seasons do extend all the way to the end. But if you're in a season that, you know, the regular season ends around Labor Day, that it's kind of tough to keep him at this point. Yeah, exactly. I I couldn't agree more, really. So we, we seem to be on the same page, even though last night we really weren't. <laughs> now, now that there's actual more, there's, well, there's more of an outline now. So that's in your defense, right? You, know, I, you were being a little more optimistic than I was. <laughs> that's that's the thing. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I wonder if it was optimism or or hope, because <laughs> it probably was more more blind hope. But yeah, it turned out not to be the case. I just you know, and and when I think of obliques, I think of like Thor, and I think of others that really just missed big chunks of season. So that's why I'm like, he could have a setback. You know, Severino had a setback with the shoulder injury. Exactly. So you just never – you really never know when it comes to those. But, again, it really – just we talked about it. It depends on your situation. Sean Kelly, right. on the other hand, Sean Kelly hit the 10-day DL with right biceps muscle soreness. Uh – I want to say Leclerc is the best bet for saves, <laughs> but you mentioned and and you I think we're on the same page because we talked about this a little off air as well. But Chris Martin is in the mix, and I want to say Chris Martin has no chance. But I, one thing that <laughs> the one thing I the one thing I did you know I said before as well was that I could see them doing that as a ploy to increase his value prior to trading him. So that's like, definitely possible, but I mean, you know, we, we discussed this, like you mentioned, but I just don't know if you're going to trade for Chris Martin, I think you kind of know what he is. I don't think anything that's going to happen in the next week is going to drastically increase his value. The thing that's like frustrating for me with Leclerc is we've been hearing that he was going to get the job back for literally months now. Like it's been since May where they said, okay, we're going to you know, take him out of the role for a couple of weeks and then bring him back in, and they just haven't. And it's weird because, I mean, Kelly's been decent, but he hasn't been so dominant that, you know, Leclerc can't overtake him. So, I mean, I would be inclined to think at this point that it will be Leclerc. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Martin's still there. We don't know what their intentions are with Leclerc. So it's it's kind of a dicey situation all around. I mean, if I had to pick one, I would go Leclerc, but I don't really feel that great about it. It's funny because I'm a big Leclerc guy. Like I was in the preseason, and I, it's one of those I just haven't let go yet. And it's like I'm really being stubborn. I haven't dropped him in any leagues, and it is frustrating because I do recall pretty much every time that they've said, "Oh, he's going to get back soon. Don't worry. You know, he's coming. He's coming." Literally, like the next start or the next appearance, he goes out and blows up. I'm not exaggerating. Right. <laughs> pretty much on cue. Look, Clark, you gain our confidence, and you go and give up three runs in like point two. Yep. So, like I said, I do think he's gonna end up with that job because I, I, 
uh, it's it's frustrating because there are a lot of teams that are competing for wild cards, but some of these teams are going to bow out because they know that it's probably in their best interest because although they're fighting right. for it, they don't have a real chance. And I think Texas is right. in that realization as well. So that, Yeah, they were surprising for a while, but yeah, I think they're definitely going to be sellers now. Oh, it's, it's the NL that's getting really interesting because there's so many teams right there. Even the Giants are technically in it. Which we both know that's not real, but right. <laughs> but uh, that's gonna do it for news notes. Again, we covered so much on the last episode, we didn't really have a lot to get to, so we can dive right into the buy low sell highs. Which I, I sent a list to you earlier. Is there a preference in which way we go with this? Do you have uh, no whatever whatever you're good with? We can go in the order you sent them, or whatever works best for you. It's all the same to me. Uh, we can just start with the sell highs. Now, again, sell highs or hold tight is how I look at them. A.J. Pollock is the first name on this list. What do you think about A.J. Pollock? Well, I think I'm going to hold tight on A.J. Pollock, and I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for not jumping on him when he was out there in a couple of leagues. I know a lot of people dropped him once he got hurt. Um, we know his injury history, but he's always produced at a pretty high level when he's played. I mean, from – the last couple of years, he's been on a, you know, 20, 20, 25, 25 pace per 162 games. Obviously, the problem is he never plays 162 games, <laughs> but not even close. I don't even think he's played 162 games in the last three years combined. But That sounds about you know, right. <laughs> but when he does play, he's pretty good. I mean, those kind of players are hard to come by off the wire. So, you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to to buy him or trade for him. But I think if you, if you have him, you just have to kind of keep him and roll with it and hope he stays healthy for 40 or 50 games. And that's kind of – and I thought I was crazy for feeling that way. I thought you were going to come in here and be like – because I bet you mean you are in the minority. Most people are going to be like, are you kidding me? You take this early – you know, this, this production he's had since coming off the IL and you sell it at its premium. Because since – you know, so the last two weeks since he's been back – Four home runs, two steals, batting 406. Yeah. Counting stats are through the roof. You know, eight runs, 12 RBIs. He's having, he's, he's a number fifth, he's the number five ranked player in 5 by 5 Roto in the last two weeks. That would, everybody would say, and probably people are probably going to yell at us through the, you know, as they listen to this. Like, that <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, we're, we're ridiculous, <laughs> but like, this is a home run. This is a home, this is you aiming for the fences when you hold on to Pollock. Like, you say, going out, right. buy, see, I might be dumb enough to go out and buy him. <laughs> like I might be that one guy that <laughs> I will buy high on him, but it's because he's a home run. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a home run. If he be, if you, if he stays healthy, we're talking a five category contributor. He's good. He's good in all formats really, but he's better obviously in right. categories of Roto, but I just, I love AJ Pollock and I love that upside. We're talking, obviously he was, and his draft value because of the injury isn't such a value this year, but, He'll probably if he finishes strong, he'll probably end up right back there again this year. And like you said, he just offers that such a high that that ceiling that it's really hard to find. And if you were lucky enough, and he's only owned actually in sixty six percent of Yahoo leagues right now. And I use Yahoo because that's a yeah. Pretty, see, that's crazy. It's a pretty. Well, I'm wondering how many leagues are just dead leagues right now. At this point, you know you have a lot of yeah. Leagues that's 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 not, true. So that 66 should – But I would, still, I would still figure that some people have to at least – you know, not every league is going to have 100%, you know, active owners. But I think for the most part, um, you know, I would think that at least one or two people in each league are kind of on the ball. Yeah. And I could 
I just don't understand. He should be owned right now. No questions about it. I can understand selling high, but I would I would have a hard time doing it. So I'm holding. I'm with you. And yeah, I, I do have to say, I do have to say now that we have to do a uh, a a plug for our brand. But he is 92 percent owned in Fantrax, which proves that uh, Fantrax owners are smarter. Well, and the reason why I, I was actually, and, <laughs> and the reason why I use Yahoo to be completely honest is because Fantrax we cater to deeper leagues, some deep dynasty leagues. We cater to all, and this is us, this is me talking them up a little bit, but we do, we cater, <laughs> we cater to all types of leagues. You know, we don't, Yahoo, I, I feel like Yahoo does it, you know, they have some keeper stuff, they have some dynasty stuff, but they mostly cater to the redraft leagues. So when it right. comes to ownerships, when it comes to ownership percentages, I tend to gravitate towards Yahoo or ESPN because like right now there's people, there's minor leaguers owned as much as AJ Pollock on fan tracks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this so, is true. So we're a little skewed in a good way though. And like you said, 92% of the league shows that that still shows that he's owned even in the shallower formats on those on fan tracks as well. But that's, that's just my, that's my, uh, that's, that's just the reason why. I mean, again, it's, 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 it's just the, the truth of it. We cater to deeper leagues. I tend to not look at that one for ownership percentage, to be honest. No, that's fair. Because only because of that reason, though. Not because I'm I'm trying to be a company man. But <laughs> of course. Uh, Yuli Gurriel is the next one I have on this list, and I'm I was just as surprised. I didn't realize how well he was doing, and then I looked up like over the last thirty days. He's he's only eighty three percent owned. Another guy who's only eighty three percent owned, but over the last month, we're talking about thirteen home runs, twenty eight RBIs, batting three fifty four, the second rated pl- ranked player. In Roto League, so he's probably top three to five in points leagues as well because he's a, he's kind of like a points leagues guy, I would think, typically. And uh, just another guy that I did not realize how well he was doing. I think it's, it's funny because he's basically doing the same thing his brother was doing last month. Yeah, I feel like without the speed, without the speed, of course. Right, but. I think you got to strike while the iron's hot type of deal. And I think he's the perfect guy to go out and maybe package and package in a deal to get, to get maybe one of these guys we're going to talk about later in the buy low section, but you take that steady production and there are, you know, there is actual tangible change with him and I'm big on tangible change. His uh, change in launch angle. He has increased his launch angle this year from, I forgot it was like 11 point something degrees to 15 point something degrees. So, that's allowed him – I think that's allowed a lot of this – and obviously, if you get the ball in the air more these days, the ball just floats out of the park. Right. That's ridiculous. So, there is – like I say, he's actually made some changes to his profile that that, that have uh, – that have, that have – I can't even talk now. <laughs> he's made the changes to See, the, the profile only- that, that, have, that have, you know, that have kind of shown – and he, there's other things too, but – I can't. I really. I don't a, know what's going. On. I can't gather gather my thought. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm I'm a little more skeptical than you, only because I mean he doesn't hit the ball very hard. Um, I think he's in like the bottom half of of uh, hard hit percentage and like the bottom third of barrels. Like I get what you're saying about the launch angle and the approach, but I just I don't know. The homers seem a little bit fluky to me. Um, I mean, the good thing about him is, you know, he hits in a good lineup, obviously. And depending on your on your format, I mean, he hardly ever walks or strikes out. So he's going to compile a lot of, of runs in RBI. Uh, I just don't know the homer. And, and by the way, I should, I should preface this by saying that as I'm talking 
down upon him. He is currently three for three with a home run tonight. So <laughs> it shows what I know. But I don't know. I just it, I just find it hard to believe that a guy who's been like, you know, a 10 home run, 15 home run guy is all of a sudden going to hit, you know, 20 home runs over the course of two months. But I mean, we, we've seen the, the power spike across the league this year. So, I mean, it's definitely possible, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about this kind of production going forward. Oh, and that's why he's a sell high. And that's why it's just, I, Uriel, when I put him on this list, he's not a sexy name. So I, it would be a guy you'd have to add to something to get somebody else. But I mean, if you actually do look at some of his peripherals, that launch annual change has increased his line drive rate, decreased his ground ball rate. His pull rate is up three up to forty four percent, which is up three percent from last year. So yeah, he's made like I said, he's made like actual attempts to change that profile and become uh, get a little more, maybe more of a pop in the swing. So I'm not saying all the home. I'm not saying obviously all that power is legit because his, if I remember correctly, his, his slugging and x slug are about a hundred points apart. His actual, right. his actual, <laughs> I believe it, his actual is actually about a hundred points above his uh, expected. So his expected, yep. So, I, again, he's a sell high. It's just I'm not sure. I think – I mean, maybe – realistically, there are some guys, again, we'll get to him in the buy low area, that you probably could get for – get him – get use him to get. And I'll be more specific. I don't want to give away too many names right away, but <laughs> I'll, I'll revisit that because I'm going to make a circle here and move it to the guy I have on this list, the guy you actually mentioned right before we got on. So, he, I think that would be a swap you can make. but. Now that I tease that, next guy, <laughs> the next guy on this list is Ramon Laureano. And I'm not sure if I want to hold tight or sell high on him. What are you thinking? So it's, it's weird because, you know, you look at some of his metrics and what he's doing doesn't seem super sustainable. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm kind of buying in. I mean, like, even before the season, he was a very popular sleeper. Like, he's always been kind of a toolsy kind of player. So I think maybe he's just tapping into something that, you know, he just hadn't done in the past. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I, when I think of him kind of just on the surface, I'm like, well, he's kind of like a Tommy Pham light player. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at the numbers the other day, and he's actually beating Pham in every single category. Like, he's putting up ridiculous numbers right now. And I think it's the kind of thing where you just kind of have to ride it. I mean, you know, I, if, if people aren't buying in, I just don't know how high you can sell. And that's kind of, you know, the interesting thing about conversations like this is the whole sell high theory. And, you know, if you find somebody who's completely buying into this, then it's sort of like the just the position of, well, are they going to actually sell high or are they actually going to value them the same way you do? So it's definitely an interesting conversation to have. But I think as far as Loriano goes, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, inclined to, to hold. It's situational. I'm, he's, he's actually the topic of my deep dive article this week, so go figure. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, because he's, he's, he has so much buzz around him right now. I decided he was just a really good name to kind of look into. But with that said, like I'm looking at some, obviously just all, some of the surface stuff that 
it just some of it. I think there's a happy medium. I think what he's doing now is a little overachieving. The way the slow start he had was a little, a little underachieving. And now I think there's a happy medium. Right. I think he is legitimately a 2020 guy, and in today's game, maybe probably maybe even a 30 home run guy in today's you know uh, environment. So. Right. I'm. <laughs> I, think I know I, it's tough. Well, the thing about like the thirty twenty kind of guys is more valuable. You know, obviously, you know, yeah, especially. I mean, people just are not stealing bases. I mean, you know, you look at what somebody like Yelich is doing, obviously, which is like otherworldly. But like, I think last time I looked, Yelich, Yelich was like top five in all of baseball in steals, and he's only on pace for like thirty steals. Not like he's stealing sixty bases. Well, there just we, aren't a lot of guys that are running. So the guys that are stealing 15, 20 bases are pretty valuable. And that's why I'm more likely to hold them. Because if I have them, it's probably because I need them for the steals. Because the, mm-hmm. the home runs are just a bonus. But if I can afford not – you know, a points league, he might be – maybe it's one of those you hold them in a rotary or categories league. But in a points league, you look to kind of see what you can get for them. Because steals, right. you know, steals have a little less value. In a points league, he doesn't walk a whole ton. Only like a five point something percent walk rate, I believe, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And yep. So I think it's. I think I'm more likely to keep him in a roto categories league, a hold tight type of thing on a roto categories league. But a uh, yeah, that makes sense. High in points leagues. I know it's a cop out, and I hear it on other podcasts, and I know it's a cop out. I know that's a cop out answer, but <laughs> it's true because he has more value when steals matter more. Now, Eduardo Escobar, I don't know. I still don't know how he's doing it. He's a sell high for me, and you can't talk me out of it. I poo-pooed him coming into the second half. I thought he was going to be like one of the main guys that dropped, and he's, he's basically told me to shove it. <laughs> he's, been, he, you know, he's, kept, he's, he's been sustaining it in the second half, I mean, from, at least from what I've seen. I really don't follow him. I don't have any shares. So maybe I'm just a little bitter. <laughs> you can take it for what it's worth, but. I just don't see it. I don't understand how he's doing it. I mean, if you pull up his StatCast page, you'll see why. It's literally he's overachieving every metric. By a lot. Yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm probably even more bitter than you because in my biggest money league, he was dropped after like two weeks because he was terrible. And I like actually sat there and contemplated, well, do I need a third baseman? Do I want to try to pick him up? And I'm like, I just don't see anything here. So I, I let him go, and of course, you know, somebody else picked him up, and he's been a top 10 third baseman, go figure, for like three months. And yeah, I just, I don't get it, but because like you said, the, the stack cast numbers, you know, his expected numbers are so much worse than the numbers he's producing. Not yet. But, so, much, so much is like, I mean, like, that's what I meant. Like, it's ridiculous how much, like everything. It's not just one thing right. there, it's... Across the board, he is everything is in blue, or like right. or, or, or light blue, except for sprint speed, and that's why I'm like I don't get it. And he's never. It's not like he's made any real. And remember, I got talk about tangible change. There's really no change. The only change I noticed with him is he can create well, his hard hit rates up, but it's up across the board for every team for every player. So it seems like, but his pull rate, he's increased his pull rate by like four percent, up to forty four percent. So right. that's, only thing, that's the only real, only real big time, like obvious change he's made. So I don't, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> and that's the problem. You know, like I said, with the whole, the whole sell high thing is like, yeah, like he definitely seems like a sell high, but I think 
for the most part, smart owners kind of see the same thing we do. And so it might be difficult to sell a guy like that to somebody who kind of, you know, looks at the, at the metrics and the underlying numbers and says, okay, well, this guy's not really legit. So then at that point, you know, are you really selling high? Because if you're kind of selling, you know, you're going to sell for less than what he's giving you now. So a lot of times, you know, a lot of these guys, even though I might not personally believe in them, like I definitely don't believe in Escobar, but you also don't know if you're going to get the value for what he's giving you right now. So it's kind of like a tricky situation, I feel like. Yeah, and obviously some of these names, that's why the, that obviously the idea is to sell high if you can. Now, and that's why I do give the caveat, don't just sell high to sell high. Get the value he's worth. Exactly. Or, and, if, and if you don't get the value he's worth, or even a slightly, I mean, I'm okay willing to take, like I'm willing to take 80 cents on the dollar for some players, honestly. But somebody, right. some, like somebody like Escobar, I think is about to fall off completely, which I've been feeling like for a while now, he just hasn't. I feel, mm-hmm. like it's, I feel like it's a matter of time. If he, if he, get, he might get traded, who knows? But regardless, I, he's one of those, like, I'm willing to take, okay, he's been top 10. Maybe I'll take a guy maybe, – maybe I'll take, like, a Michael Conforto type. I mean, that's right. Me. And Conforto might be aiming too low. I just really, really like Conforto. He almost made the buy low list, but I talked about him so much I left him off, to be honest. <laughs> I love Michael Conforto. It's, it's, I, I, and I, I'm, not even a Mar- I'm not even a Mets fan. I'm a Marlins fan, but – I just, I'm a huge Conforto guy, but regardless, at the end of the day, I would do my best to try to get what I can for him. Again, don't settle. I know it sounds like Tom's telling you to settle, but I mean. No, but it definitely, I mean, he's not going to end the season with, I mean, I don't think he's going to end the season with 40 homers and 130 RBIs, but I mean, it's crazy what he's doing right now. It is uh, 2019 baseball. (laughs) This is true. Could you get Goldschmidt right now for him, you think? No, that's too high. Is it? I don't. I don't think anybody's bad. Man. Well, he has been, but I, you know, I think that's where it's. And I think a lot of it is perception too, because especially after what Goldschmidt did in the last, you know, half of last season, I think, you know, he's a guy where I just don't think people are going to want to sell him because he's proven it before and, you know, he had a monster second half last year. So I think, I think if you own Goldschmidt, you're probably kind of waiting and seeing if that repeats itself. I don't think it will. Like I know you guys talked about this. He's kind of been in a steady decline. Yeah. I, I found that out in my, again, oh, that's another thing about these deep dives. I go in with, such, yeah. I go in with such an open mind. I don't go in. Right. Like, oh, I'm going to find these things. And I just found it's mm-hmm. literally, like, over the last five years, I forgot to actually – I should have mentioned this in the article. Even his sprint speed's gone down a mile per hour total over the last five years or so. Like, he's still got – which makes sense why he's not running as much, you know, with the speed decreasing and just everything, though. It's like he's slowly striking out more. He's slowly walking less. He's slowly – it's just – it's been one of those just – Right. Speed. That's the thing. People always look for abrupt changes. And I, I, bet, I guarantee you, a lot of people, including myself, I had no idea he's been on this steady decline because it is just minor – it's minor things in minor areas. Right, and yeah, and I didn't I didn't realize it either until I saw that. And yeah, you're right. It's the kind of thing where it's not always like you know a player falls off a cliff, but you know, slowly but surely there's a steady decline in in multiple areas. That's kind of what you end up with. Well, I guess now that we've kind of poo pooed on, uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to find. I'm honestly I've been looking for names to see if you can get get form. And again, it's perception, but. Not everybody, not everybody is into analytics like we are. There's buddies of mine that – there's actually one friend of mine in particular I'm thinking of 
that he hates the analytics. He doesn't buy into them at all. He thinks they're complete BS. <laughs> he's an old, you know, he's an old baseball type of guy. He's you know, old school. Yep. And he's not buying it at all. He, uh, I bet honestly, and and because of that, somebody like him, like right now, you can go to him, and if he's a Vlad owner, which he's not, but if he was, you could probably get Vlad. I guarantee you, knowing him, you can get Vlad from him for S- for Esmar. And I'm and I'm not oh, probably. Guy. I'm not a Vlad guy at all. I did. He was my first deep. I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> he was the first deep dive guy, and I think long term he's going to be okay. But I think right now, yeah, I think right now this year, I think it's a lost season. I think he is who he is—a two fifty hitter. The power's there, but I don't think he's going to really flash it as far as like in the games. And but all in all, if you want, like Escobar is the type of guy where I'm willing to take the risk losing out if Escobar somehow sustains this to take a chance on Vlad. And I'm not even a Vlad guy, but that's the type of deal I would do. I right. That's yeah, no, that makes sense, and I, th- I think it's kind of like what you mentioned: is if, if the p- if the players you're playing with kind of are just looking at the roto categories, then yeah, you probably could get Vlad for Escobar. Um, and it, yeah, it is interesting because I'm kind of with you. Like Vlad was probably my number one fade this year. I just I just didn't get him being drafted in like the fourth or fifth round or whatever crazy ADP he had. Um, and yeah, I mean, even at that, even having said that, if somebody offered me Vlad for my Escobar, I, I'd be kind of inclined to make that trade, even though you know I don't know how much better Vlad's going to get in the next two months. But yeah, that'd be a hard deal to pass up. It would just be one of those you're betting on the upside, and obviously, if you're big into the metrics, you're gonna go with what you believe in. And the metrics for me, I'm big on the metrics, and the metrics say they scream regression, like in an ugly way. I'm gonna probably I'm gonna sell and hope that they don't fail me because there always are outliers and he could very well much be one of the outliers this year. And but like heck, Mondesi's one of those outliers, and I'm very anti-Mondesi because of his stat cast stuff and everything. Else, right. His his profile and Escobar, he he even has a 41 percent uh uh O swing. Like he's chasing stuff. His swinging strike rates up. I, I really don't get how he's doing what he's doing. But we can move on. Well, from see him. the thing. <laughs> If you want to, I, I, one one thing I one one thing I will say real quick is on Mondesi. You know, a lot of times, at least I think that players who kind of outperform their peripherals are the speedy type guys who can oh, kind of yeah. get away with certain things. And yeah, that does not apply to Escobar at all. So again, it's another reason why you just look at his numbers and you shake your head because they really don't make any sense. Yeah, and that's why Loriano. I saw he had like a small. You know, and that's the thing. These uh, the Statcast numbers aren't like the end all be all. There's variance, right? Know, 10, 10 points of batting average. Of course. So, um, Loriano, I think was about was roughly about twenty points of batting average above his expected. But he has the speed. He has that type of speed that can outperform some of this stuff. He, he Definitely. Might, his slugging might be. A, I think his expected slugging is a little uh, lower than his actual slugging, but that's because he can stretch doubles to uh, doubles to triples and singles to doubles. You know, stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Right. It's funny that actually, literally, as we're, my buddy just texted me, do you still think Yuli is trash, Mike? <laughs> this stuff is, <laughs> I, think, I think we had this discussion. I think we had this discussion like a few months back, and I just I don't remember that. Like, it's since like since then I've actually gone and bought in dynasty leagues for like because I'm if I'm competing, he's a guy I've been out going out and buying because he's still cheap enough to buy. So it's weird, you know, he's a sell high in dynasty leagues. You yeah, still get, I think. People are, are in that mindset, well, let me sell him. He's, you know, if he's on a team that's not winning, and that's another thing, he's on a bunch of teams for some reason that aren't winning, 
So it's like you can go out and give like a you know a lower end prospect. I think I got like I think I got Yuli for like Riley Pint. Just to give you an idea of how low end of a. Oh, prospect. nice. Yeah. Like, it was just like this guy was just trying to basically shed him off his roster, get anything for him before the offseason. So that's the type of thing that's like dynasties. That's why we're not talking about dynasties. It's a whole other thing, but it's just funny because this text just came up as we were done as we we're talking about selling high. On <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, Mondesi, I've just learned to stop stop. Uh, Fading him, I'm. I was wrong this year. That's one of my biggest L's. But his injuries have kind of saved me, and I hate to take a win because of injuries. But I'm gonna guess I'll take a win because of injuries. Uh, we talked right. about we talked about Goldschmidt a little bit. We can kind of just. I mean, we again, we already kind of dove into him a little bit. But would you be interested in buying low? I mean, I guess it depends on his price, obviously. And that's the other thing with buying low. You have to make sure you're actually buying low. But it's just Goldie. I don't know. Because he doesn't steal and the batting average is middling these days, I'm not exactly sure if if I want to buy low. Well, see, and and that's and again, it's like you said, it's all about the price. So you know, I just had my um, my uh, rest of season rankings for this week, and I actually put Loriano right ahead of Goldschmidt, and it felt dirty to do, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm just looking at everything, and I'm like, well what is Goldschmidt really going to give me for the next two months? And, you know, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, I, you know, I read the stuff that, that you read that you wrote and yeah, there's a lot of red flags there and it's just, you know, you kind of wonder, I think it's safe to say that the whole, you know, first, second round value is, it might be a thing of the past. I mean, I think he'll still be solid, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think we're going to see, you know, second half of 2018, but I think he'll be, a, he'll be better than what he has been. But again, it's like, you know, what you said about the price. And, and people are holding on to that name, you know, so that's a big, the name alone will carry a lot of value. And so he might be hard to buy low on because if you're buying low, you still right. give up. I think people are still expecting like a third round value or something for him. And I'm just not willing to give that right now. Mm-hmm. So, and we kind of, I, and I know it's skipping ahead a little bit, but since we already talked about Vlad so much, I, I, I didn't put him as a buy low or sell high. I put him as a what do you do with him. <laughs> right. Because I don't, I don't want to buy low. But I think you because I've actually had like in shallow like 10 teamers, I've seen him drop. I've had people tell me he's dropped. People have like legitimately decided to drop him in shallow leagues. And if you if take away the name, it's pretty much rightfully so. Well, right, and that's the thing. Yeah, I think that's the problem is so many people are focused on the name and the pedigree. But, yeah, I mean, I've been – you know, I said it before. He's been, like, one of my top fades all season long. And I think the most slack that I've gotten on any of my rankings, you know, basically since the end of April is why do you have Vlad so low? And I'm, I'm always like, well, you know, once he actually starts producing – I'll move him up, but I'm not going to move him up just because he finally got called up or just because he went two for four one day. I want to see him actually sustain some production, and he really hasn't. I mean, I put a poll up on Twitter back in May, and it was like, who would you rather have going forward, Vlad Guerrero or Daniel Murphy? And I'm in the Daniel Murphy camp. And even though Daniel Murphy hasn't been good, he's still been a lot better than Vlad. So, I mean, he just hasn't done anything near what anybody's expected. I mean, as far as what you do with him, 
I'm kind of, I don't really have a problem with dropping him and I probably wouldn't, but you know, he's not producing at the level where he's like a no brainer starter every week. I think he's a sell low for lack of a better term. Like if I have him, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm willing to sell him because I think people still value the name enough to give you something decent. I wouldn't take Eduardo Escobar for him, but I'm willing, <laughs> I'm willing to give a little, you know, I mean, I'm willing to give up on him at this point for this season. And that was a big takeaway. I, when I did my deep dive article, that was a big takeaway that I just don't think this is going to be his year. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm obviously with you on this. When it comes to Vlad, that I really am not all that interested. <laughs> like, I'm not buying them. Right. Much, I'm not even buying low on them. And I know right now you can get them for a decent price, decent price. But so now that we've discussed Vlad, we can move on to our actual buy low list. Actually, no, there was one more sell high. Yeah. I forgot there was somebody that you found to be somewhat controversial that you wanted to uh, maybe mention a little bit about. I, I did. So I had a piece on Fantasy Pros the other day, and it was more focusing on players to buy. And the player that I decided to buy was Jose Ramirez, and he's another one who's been so uh, polarizing this year because, you know, top five draft pick who turned out to be terrible, but has actually kind of picked it up over the last month or so. But you know, the kind of follow-up question they asked was, well, who would you sell for your buy low? And I mentioned Fernando Tatis, which is probably going to get me ostracized from the fantasy community because everybody is in love with him. And, you know, he's kind of one of these players, you know, we talked about who can outperform his peripherals. Like he does have, he has obviously great instincts and great speed and, and stuff like that. But if you look at some of his stat cast numbers, um, they're very concerning. So he has the biggest spread between his batting average and his expected batting average. And also between his weighted on base and expected weighted on base. Not just of this season, but of the entire stat cast era. Now, I know it's only like five years, but... <laughs> That's still something his, worth noting. His numbers, yeah, I mean, his batting average, um, his expected batting average is almost 100 points lower than his actual batting average. Um, and so, you know, it's a situation where everybody is kind of blindly buying into Tatis, and, you know, he's obviously very talented, but I don't know, man. I just think that at some point he's going to drop off and, you know, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be as poor as his metrics indicate, but for example, his current batting average is 324. His expected batting average is 239. I mean, I don't think he's going to end up anywhere near 239, but, you know, it, it's definitely something that, I would personally worry a bit about and you know, I kind of really like Ramirez as a buy low. And I think that if you've had Tatis and enjoyed the run, especially after he came back from the injury, I, I sure, I certainly wouldn't fault anyone for just riding it as long as they can, but I'm kind of worried that the bottom's going to fall out a little bit. Yeah. And 
you look at some, you know, some of his, I was just looking at some of his profile as well. And, you know, the high K rate, although he does walk a good amount and his O swing actually isn't all that bad. It's only at 30.3%. So it's about, it's, I think it's roughly the average. Right. His, his contact percentages are pretty good. And I mean, he could obviously he has a little swing and miss in his game with the uh, 14.5 swing strike rate, but I'm, I think I'm in between. Like I, I, I think the problem is those. Even if, obviously, I don't think he's gonna hit over 300 for the year. So with that being said, we're gonna have to see a big, big cold streak come up for him to hit. You know, for him to get under that 300. And like you said, it hasn't happened yet. So now's the time to, to kind of sell high. What do you think? And obviously, people. I mean, across the industry, he is being hyped up. We're talking as like a top two round guy going into next year. Some people talk about him as a first rounder. I'm not there. I, mm-hmm. can t- I can say right now I'm fading him at that price. But I'm just thinking, like, who would you – I'm just – some names that maybe you would go out and try to uh, get with him. You think maybe – you think? do you think Arenado is a realistic target? Probably not. Probably a little too high end, right? Probably. But, I mean, based on what he's given you so far, he's probably not far off. I mean, maybe – maybe not Arenado, but maybe – Freeman or Rendon even, or maybe Bregman, something along those lines with more of just a power bat. But I I could definitely see somebody with those guys trading for Tatis depending on, you know, what their, their needs were. Because, I mean, well, yeah, Tatis yeah. has been awesome so far. I just, I just don't know if it's going to continue the next two months at this and, pace. And that's why it's kind of in a vacuum. Obviously, needs mean – there are – needs are obviously – the greatest part of a trade, especially right now, you can make a lopsided trade, at least on paper, but if it helps you in what you need, then it's not lopsided. So I was just thinking in a vacuum. Right. I'm thinking like in a vacuum type of guy, you could probably land. Like right now, I wouldn't be surprised if you can go out and get a Machado for him. Machado, you know, I mean, he's been on a really big home run binge lately. He's gone from like nothing to almost 30, but he's still hitting 268 on the year, only two stolen bases. Maybe somebody like a Chris Bryant. I think Chris Bryant would be somebody you can probably go out and get. And these are high end names, and these are guys I'm willing to trade Tatis for too. Like if you're gonna right, agree. And if you're gonna sell Tatis, you need to sell high, and that's selling high. Selling higher because otherwise you're better off, otherwise you're better off holding them. So right, um, agree. Yeah, I'm with you. Tatis isn't somebody I need to like. I th- I think he's gonna go through a rough patch. He he's due. I mean the the numbers should <laughs> the numbers really do suggest it. So. A couple by low guys here. You can almost lump all three of these guys into one, and we'll talk about them as we'd like to. But you have Jack Flaherty, Zach Wheeler, and Matt and Matt, Matthew Boyd. They're all kind of the same tier pitcher, I think. Like they're in that same area. Uh, I would have no problem buying low on all of them right now. Like just pick. I mean, I think Wheeler ends up. I I think Wheeler is the one that ends up in Houston, personally. But. Obviously, yeah, that would be nice. Obviously, <laughs> well, I got you. Got to think Wheeler or Boyd. I, I really do think one of them ends up in Houston, and whichever one does, yeah, that would not surprise me. And whichever one does is the one you want, <laughs> obviously, for sure. But I know me and you are very big on going out and getting Wheeler, and I, that's the thing. It's not a secret anymore. Everybody, I think, I've heard across the industry, everyone's telling you to go out and buy Wheeler. So even the, even the Wheeler owner should probably know that he shouldn't sell Wheeler at this point. But maybe this is yeah, and that's and that's what makes it tricky because you know that that's the thing about the the quote unquote smart 
owners that we have now because yeah you look at wheeler and it's like okay well he has six wins and you know his era is over four but it's going to be hard to to pry him away from somebody who kind of knows what they're doing and, and sees you know i think he's got like a borderline top 20 strikeout rate and you know his strand rate is super high which is obviously I mean, super low which is obviously what caused the era inflation and so and like you just mentioned, I think a trade is only going to help him. I mean, it's not like he's going to go to a team that's worse than the Mets. So his win potential is going to be increased wherever he goes, especially if it's somewhere like Houston. And, you know, same kind of deal with Boyd. So I think I'm, I'm a little bit lower on clarity for the rest of this season just because he hasn't really – shown me a lot. And I, I guess you can say the same thing about Wheeler, but you know, I'm looking at Flaherty's numbers and they're all kind of very average to me. Um, you know, I was looking at his expected batting average and slugging and, and weighted on base, and they're all kind of between the 45th and 55th percentile, which is you know, basically middle of the road. Um, I mean, he does have a very good strikeout rate but he's only averaging like five and a third innings per start. So even though he's got good rate stats from that standpoint, he's only getting you six Ks per start more or less. And he's only got four wins in 20 starts. And I know wins are kind of a thing in the past at this point, but you know, even in a quality start league, he's not even averaging six innings a start. So I was super high on Flaherty coming into the year, but you know, for, for redraft the rest of the season, I just I just don't know if I would buy him. I mean, if I have him, I'm I'm fine holding him because pitching is so up and down that he's still a quality starter. He's still probably a top you know twenty twenty five starter. But even having said that, you know there are matchups where I'm not in love with starting him. Um, I think he gets Houston this week and. I don't want any part of that start. I mean, he could he could obviously dominate any lineup any given night, but I just don't know on a start to start basis. You know, he's he's not in the top tier, so I'm kind of you know he's better than a streamer, but he's not an every star kind of pitcher. He's kind of in between, and I guess you could say that about all three of these guys. Um, but I think the price will be lower on. Boyd and definitely Wheeler. I think the price on Wheeler is the lowest out of three. So he's kind of the one I'm targeting if you're looking to, to make a move down the stretch. Wheeler, just to touch back on him a little bit, he his all his like all his uh, like Sierra XF, all those stats suggest he's basically a run better than what he's been as far as like ERA and such. And like you said, right. and everything. I think Boyd, last I checked, it's been a while since I looked at Boyd. He is similar. I think he was another one that was under was overperforming his metrics. Now he's underperforming them. He's another guy that's like, uh, high, like everything suggests he's a mid threes to mid to low threes pitcher, ERA pitcher, and he's his ERA is crept over four now slightly. The, the twelve point oh K per nine, you can't ignore that. He's increased. He's he's fixed his walk rate. He's actually made it better. I mean, not fixed it. He's just improved it to one point eight walks per nine. He's probably the biggest benefactor from being traded. I don't know that division is really, really nice to pitch against, though. So, well, the thing bit. is, so, 
so the thing with Boyd, like his problem lately has been he he's giving up way too many home runs lately. Yeah. I think over the first like twelve starts, he allowed seven home runs or something along those lines. And in his last seven or eight starts, he's allowed I think it's thirteen or fourteen homers. So that's really what's getting him into trouble. But like you said, the strikeout numbers are still incredible. He's got like fifty five Ks in his last six starts. So it's not like he's falling off a cliff. I think he's just giving up those you know, kind of untimely home runs that are inflating his ERA a bit. And I'm definitely in on Boyd and especially if he gets traded because he's obviously not going to get a lot of wins in Detroit because they're just the best. So, yeah, I mean, if he went from Detroit to Houston, that's basically like the outhouse, the penthouse. So I would be, I think if he went to Houston, he's probably, I'd say probably a top 15 starter maybe going forward. Yeah, he falls into he he almost creeps into the Bieber type of area, right? At least that's how high I am on Bieber. But <laughs> yeah, and Flaherty, no, same here. I think I have I think I have Bieber. Actually, I have to look. I have Bieber at sixteen. So yeah, that's about right. And I'm just looking like so. And Flaherty, I thought, oh, he's because the reason why I put him on the buy low. I just did my deep dive article on him too. Again, like these are, these guys are like I was biased. I, I actually thought I, I had him pegged around the top thirty to forty. Like I had him in the top thirty to forty range of pitcher, in my in my estimation at the end of that article. And I was like, oh, maybe he's uh, he's fixing things, you know, because the last three starts mm-hmm. like, he's been really good. The last three starts, and he's changed his pitch mix up. Uh, he actually entered July throwing less four seamers, adding uh, adding more sinkers, curveball about the same slider about the same, but a high usage and change-ups a little lower. So it's like, you know, right. he's, he's changing his pitch mix, so he's making an actual, you know, attempt to change stuff, and he's looking really good lately. But, and I say but with clarity, because, <laughs> well, because Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco have been his last three opponents. So, of course, he's looked better. Like, he's, a, he's an above-average pitcher, and when you, Cincinnati obviously can hit. But the other – and Pittsburgh also can, but, eh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not impressed. Yep. He, him out either like and obviously here's 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 the good thing though and we we do have to kind of give him credit for this and you just mentioned that the last few opponents have been subpar at least he's done well against those teams because the worst feeling ever playing fantasy (laughs) is when you have a like mint matchup and the guy goes out and has a dud or you know, on the flip side where, you know, they're going against like the Yankees or Red Sox and you try to avoid them and they throw a three hit shutout. Like there's nothing more infuriating than those two things happening. So I actually kind of appreciate a pitcher like Flaherty who will struggle against the better teams and kind of handle the, the lesser opponents as he should. So I think we have to give him a little bit of credit for that. Yeah. And honestly, I'm guilty of it too. You have to remember that if he's going to be a good pitcher, he's supposed to do what he did against those teams. But the, this Cardinals yep. as a whole, the Cardinals as a whole just let them down because two of those starts were seven inning starts with no like I think one earned run in both of them and he got he he didn't get the win in either one. So that's just his team failing him. And another guy I put out here was Tommy Pham. Pham, uh, we all know Pham kind of goes through his ups and downs, and lately it's been more downs. I believe I don't have a lot of shares of him, so honestly I haven't kept up too much with him. But I know. Yeah, like over the last month, he's ranked barely inside the top 300. <laughs> but he has homer. He's been, you know, flashing all power speed still. And but his his stat cast stuff is actually pretty encouraging. He's on the other side of like, yeah. the argument when it comes to like there's like 
he's a great, I think he's a good guy to go out and get power speed combination. His, you know, his expected batting average is a little hot. Again, there is with, there's variance in these, but his you know, he's a top 8% in the league when it comes to hard hit rate. His K percentage and walk percentage are, are, are really good. We're talking sub 20 K percent K rate, uh, uh, almost a 13% walk rate. He's solid. I mean, I think there's better days ahead for him, and he's just a little unlucky right now. And his stat catch, stat cast page is all red. I love seeing those little red bubbles. <laughs> I love it, man. Everything. Well, I I own a lot of Tommy Pham, and I am super frustrated right now because because you're right, he's not doing poorly, but for whatever reason, he's just not producing at the level that it feels like he should. And you look at his numbers, and He's pretty much in line with what he was last year, except for the run scored. And I know, you know, we talk about variance, but it's so random because he had over 100 runs scored last year, and I think he's in the 40s this year, which is mind-boggling because, I mean, he's batting second or third every day. And, you know, the Rays don't have a prolific offense, but it's not like they're the Tigers or the Marlins. And so it's just one of those things where it's just, I think I'm with you, it's just a lot of, of bad luck. And I, you know, I'm waiting for him to turn around, and I, I'm definitely going to hold. And yeah, well, if you're an owner, it, if, you, if you're an owner, I agree, you definitely should hold. And But I have no problem. I think you could buy low and legitimately buy low at a decent price. I think he's one of these guys that fit this buy low perfectly. I think there's a lot of people that don't right. believe that he's going to come around. No, I agree. And, and you know, like I said, I think, I think he's definitely in line for some positive regression. And I personally hope it happens in the run category because <laughs> I'm hurting a little bit there. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely buying in on him, hoping he turns it around. And there's uh, two more names. I guess, well, one you kind of talked about in Jose Ramirez as a buy low. I'm almost thinking like that window is kind of closing because of how well he's done over the last month now. He's just, I got to pull up the numbers to be honest. I had them. I kind of, I, I closed that window out. I know over the last month. So I, really, I, I, really I think good. so when before Friday, he was hitting 340 in July with an OPS over one. Um, I think uh, my guess is that those numbers have only gotten better over the weekend. I didn't see what he did this weekend, but I do know he got a hit and steal today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, and, and it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, you talk about the whole buy low thing again. And can you really buy low on him? Because, actually, he went two for four today with a steal. But um, so it, you, it's kind of tricky because if, if you're looking to buy low, I don't know if the owner that you have is going to want to sell low, if that makes sense. Like, I'm, I'm guessing if you own Ramirez, you're kind of looking at now is the time to finally, you know, the three months of torture is, is going to be worth it. So I don't know if you're going to be able to buy him for the price you want. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to need a first-round type talent in return, but I don't think it's going to be as easy to buy as a lot of people. You know, like Pham, you said, I think Pham's price is going to be way lower than Ramirez, even though Pham's numbers are are more or less better. 
Yeah, and I think it's just because people are finally validated. Like, oh, I held on to Jose. He's going to be Ramirez again. He's going to be himself. And it's – I don't think – Right. I think people need to understand the expectations with Ramirez. I think he's going to be closer to his 2017 than the 40-40 pace he was on last year in 2018. I think the – Definitely. I think that 25-ish home run type of power is there. But the fact that he's finally coming around in the batting average and everything else – and, you know, he's already had the speed. And, and well, it's just nice to see him back. I never, I didn't root, I had no share. So it's not like I was like to- totally upset about him struggling. But I think baseball, right? But I think ultimately, I always root for players to do well because it makes baseball better. And even though it doesn't help my yeah, team, yeah, definitely. Out, even though it doesn't help my team out, it's, you never want to see one of the best players, one of the guys that have been the best player in baseball two, three years uh, struggle. But the final guy here that we can talk about as far as a buy low. And I did not look into him at all. Again, I have one share, I think, on 20 teams, mind you. I play a lot of fantasy baseball. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I think it's like 20 teams. If you include my dice leagues. But is Nelson Cruz – I say that like a question. It's Nelson Cruz. And, <laughs> oh, because I didn't realize because he's just doing his thing. You know, he's hitting some he, – he was hurt. He was hurt for a while, though. I think, I, I think he was, right? Like, like a few weeks or something like that at one point this year? Yeah, he was out for a few weeks. And – um. Over the, I think, you know, when I was kind of looking into my buy low piece, I was kind of debating back and forth between Ramirez and Cruz. And, you know, Ramirez was, like I said, I think he was hitting like 340 in July. And, and Cruz was kind of the opposite. I think he was hitting like 195. And his triple slash was just ugly. So that's kind of where I was looking at him as, as a buy low candidate because, you know, this is a guy who's hit at least, 37 homers in five straight years and this year he only i say that in quotes has 19 um and he's played and i think he has missed a couple of weeks but i don't think he's missed a ton of time so the 19 homers is a little light given you know the state of baseball and everybody hitting home runs at these crazy paces but i think that you know if you look kind of underneath the hood a little bit Cruz is in the top six in average exit velocity average exit velocity on line drives and fly balls hard hit percentage and barrels so it's not like he's you know a lot of people are going to say okay he's 40 years old he's slowing down he's really not so I think he's someone to target you know if you're not looking for speed obviously but you know the front four categories so to speak he's definitely a guy who can kind of carry a team towards the uh, the fantasy finish line, so to speak. And the one thing I noticed about the Twins is they have an insanely easy schedule for the last two months. So they're playing the Yankees right now, and Cruz actually does have a, have a home run today, which is the 20th of the year. But after this series, the Twins will have 61 games left, and more than half of them, I think it was either 32 or 33, are against the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Royals. And you don't need me to tell you that those three pitching staffs are pretty bad, and they're likely to get worse, you know, in the next couple of weeks if Detroit trades Boyd or, you know, things of that nature. So I think he's going to be facing a lot of uh, BP-type pitchers over the next two months, and I think he's just going to rake. And, you know, even, even after, you know, on top of that, I think he goes to Texas for a four-game series at some point, and they face your uh, your Marlins at some point. So I, I think, um, although if those games are 
those games might be in Miami, which means he won't play. But and for the Marlins, most part, Marlins I think Cruz is going to be a beast. And the Marlins starters no, they're not bad. It's their bullpen. They're not or lack of one. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I just think it's going to be a beast. And I just tagged on Twitter with his because again, you look up, you look at Stackhouse page. It's all red. It's beautiful. I literally just tagged you in a tweet that said Nelson Cruz. I see it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> dude, it is nuts. And I mean, and again, his batting average two seventy. It could say there it could be two sixty five and go up to two eighty five because it's expected is two eighty six. But he's just doing Nelson Cruz things, and that's the best way to put it. I mean, he's actually barreling the ball more. His exit velocity is up from last year. It's just crazy. I'm just looking. I'm just looking at it. It's all red. It's like top 10% of the league across the board, basically. And Woba. I mean, right. And that's the thing. You know, I guess part of it is because he has missed time. But you look at him and say, okay, well, he only only has 20 home runs. But, you know, I think by the end of the year, he will probably be back in the 35-40 range, which means he's going to give you probably 15 homers over the next two months, which which is pretty good. Yeah, if you need some home runs and RBIs and somebody who can do that while keeping their average really solid, Go out and get this guy. I, I'm honestly not gonna lie. I might probably get once I'm done here. My wife's probably gonna kill me because I told her 10:30 would be the latest. It's 10:45. Um, <laughs> this happens every time. I'm sure you're aware. Uh, oh, I am. It's just one of those. I'm probably gonna go out, pull out a few feelers, maybe in some dynasty. I'm gonna I have to see who owns them in dynasty league and such like that. But in redraft too, there's a couple leagues I can use some power. Surprisingly, I know it's crazy, but it's just hard to keep up sometimes in some of those leagues. I'm like, I'm like, oh, power is easy to come by. Oh, but now I have to keep up with everybody else who has the power as well. Well, um, that's what I was going to ask you. So how, how do you manage 20 leagues? Because I have, like, probably eight, and I don't have time for half of them. Well, where it hurts now is football. Football, I usually – I used to play in – I used to do, like, 10-ish baseball, and I would do, like, 10 football. This year, I've scaled it back to, like, five football. And it's only right. – I, I honestly, I was going to take a break from football. Focus on this because I, I plan on doing the. By the way, if you're interested, I plan on doing the podcast and stuff uh, in the off season as well. But so you can join us then if, if you'd like. But that's a whole other discussion. We can, have, we, we can have that off air. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because of that, because of this, it just it, it was one of those things where I got into a lot of like drafting holds early, and then it turned into a few like you know smaller time like fake teams. I'm in a fake teams. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I was invited to their uh, to their friends and friends and uh, analysts deal. I got I created my own listeners league off this podcast. I've done, and just little by little, I'm just I'm in a friends and fantasy benefits one on fan tracks. It's just it's just go. It's just and then a, one dynasty leads to three dynasty leagues, which leads into a th- I, I have a thirty team with with uh, real life contracts and oh my god, that one's a pain in the butt. Oh, that's awesome. But it's just one of those things. Like I really, I just I put a lot of work into them and like every morning you know while instead of, instead of watching the news during my cup of coffee or my two cups of coffee i should say I right just, I, I just sit down and set my lounge for the day and then you know every few hours i'll check to see who's in and out and i'll readjust them so it take, it take, it's a second job it's really a second job see, and actually, right and that's oh. that's kind of my problem is my first job is like non-stop i mean i've gotten to the point now where i can kind of compartmentalize like once i actually leave the building and, you know, kind of live my life. But once I'm there, it's just like nonstop work. So I'm so jealous when I like jump on, you know, Twitter or Slack at lunch and I see all you guys talking about things and I'm like, man, what did I miss for the last four hours? <laughs> oh yeah. And that's another thing. My job is very, uh, I have a lot of downtime. Right. I may or may not have edited multiple podcasts at work. 
<laughs> like, like, See, and, very jealous. And it's, but it has its perks because, uh, and I, I, I'll just leave it obviously. And again, I've wrote, I've written many of articles, and that's why I was able, I've been able to take on so much. And I'm always like I even I'll even like um I've messaged uh, Eric on multiple occasions and others like, hey, do you have any one-off articles? Like you know, I can I have some time this week to do it. And right, it's, it's a lot of it's because of I mean, it don't get me wrong. When my job is busy though, because I'm a, I'm a firefighter paramedic, so when my job is busy, it's busy. But when it's not busy, oh wow, yeah. When it's not busy, I, I have I have downtime, and I, I, I this right. Is, this is this outlet has done so much, so many wonders for my stress levels and stuff, man. That's <laughs> it, awesome. It's truly, it's truly a getaway, and I do it as a way to kind yep. of get away from everything. So, all in right. all, though, uh, that's great. And I, people don't care what I do for a living, so obviously, but regardless, like I said, I take advantage of the downtime, but when it's busy, it's busy. I probably shouldn't have even told people I do it at work, but oh well. Um, <laughs> it doesn't affect what I, it doesn't affect, because at the end of the day, if something, you know, if we get a call, I put it all down and go, but oh, of course, at the of station, course. I have downtime at night. Uh, what mm-hmm. uh, one last guy, because we talked. Oh, actually, maybe two last guys. Real quick, I just want your real quick thoughts, because then we're gonna get going. So, sure. my, so my wife doesn't kick my butt. Uh, <laughs> Same here. Benintendi, what? I'm not buying low on him. I think he's overrated for fantasy purposes at this point. What do you think about him? I'm with you, man. He's another one where everybody thought he was gonna take the next step this year and I don't think I have any shares and I'm perfectly happy with it because he's just okay. I mean, he's not bad. He's decent, but he doesn't do anything particularly well. He doesn't hit for a high average. I mean, he's really the Tommy fan light. I was joking about Laureano before, but to me, Ben Attendee's like the Tommy fan light. I think, I think he's got like eight homers and nine steals and 40 something runs and a two sixty average, which I mean, it's depending on your league, that's kind of waiver wire fodder, to be honest. But, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go rushing to drop him, but I don't think you'll be able to get much for him. Exactly. I'm just, if I have him, I'm holding, I'm holding tight, and I, I don't have many shares either. That's why I'm like, if I have him, I'd rather have Tommy Fan, <laughs> to be honest. I'd really rather have Tommy Definitely. Uh, Definitely. And one last guy, Stanton. Obviously, he keeps he's had he had he had that PCL strain in his knee or whatever it was, and he's still not doing uh, have any type of baseball activities now. The farther the longer this lingers, the lo- more likely we are to have little to no Stanton this year, because the Yankees have no reason to rush him back either. Are you are you willing yeah. to like what? Okay, for instance, you mentioned the George, George's George the you know Marcos George. I should say that again. Right, uh, he he made that trade for Andrews for Stanton. What like, do you think? The more obviously, the longer the more the longer we go, the bigger the, obviously the bigger the chance he took. It looks like, but what do you? What's your outlook on Stanton? Do you think that he's worth the gamble as far as going out and trying to buy him if you're a contending team or know you're making the playoffs or are you avoiding him? I, I think, I think so. I mean, I'm I'm not. I don't have quite the love affair that uh, Bogman does, for example, with Stanton, but I have Stanton in a salary cap league that's like a limited moves league, mm-hmm. and I've kept him the whole time. You know, a lot of times in those kind of leagues, you know, somebody gets hurt for a month or two months and you just kind of cut them and move on. But I've kept Stanton the whole time because there's just not a lot of players that can do what he does. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of salivating at the thought of, Stanton playing with this 2019 baseball because I feel like if he plays for a month, he can hit 14 home runs. 
in Yankee Stadium. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind, yeah, and I'm kind of willing to take that chance. I mean, you know, to me, the risk is worth the reward. So I'm kind of fine just holding on to him and seeing how it plays out. But you know, at this point, it, it, you know, like you said, it's it's getting kind of late in the game, so it's it's hard to be fully confident with it. But I'm I'm holding him personally. Well, and yeah, definitely holding him, but are you willing to go out and make a trade for him? Do you feel confident enough in him returning to go out and buy him? Because I'm, I think obviously it depends on where you're at in your rankings. If you're a top three team, it's a good move to make, but it's getting to a point where you might be just better off if you don't have him and he comes back and does well for one month. Oh, well, but I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to pick. Andrews wasn't a bad give, especially again, in a vacuum, I'm not sure if I would do. I wanted to do that, but then when I heard he had all that depth, you know, story at shortstop and all the other stuff going on. Yeah, and that that's a lot of it. What it what it depends on is kind of where you're at. So yeah, I kind of like the trade from Georgia's standpoint. And yeah, again, if it, it's kind of where you're at, you know, if you're gonna make the playoffs and you think it's worth it to kind of take the shot to get the September numbers, hopefully, then I, I would definitely be in favor of that kind of move. Obviously. You know, if you're, you know, it's kind of like we talked about earlier. If you're kind of fighting for a playoff spot, you don't want somebody like a Stanton or a Woodruff that's not going to be available probably for the next six weeks. But if you're in a good spot and you can kind of afford to take the short-term hit, then I, I think it's kind of worth, you know, making an offer. Yeah, and on that note, we can call it a night, man. I mean, I hate to rush you off out of here, but obviously we've run – no longer than anticipated. My wife's ready again. My wife's ready to kill me as it is. So I'm gonna <laughs> make, I'm gonna make a beeline for the uh, exit. With that being said, though, if you would like to just remind these guys who you are, where you can find, where they can find you all, because I can't say your last name. <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you give yourself. I'll let you give yourself a little outro, and then we'll close out of here. All right. Well, this has been Mick Chalella at Fantrax HQ. You can find me at FantraxHQ.com along with Mike, George, and the rest of the gang. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Mick 23 And, yeah, we've got a lot of baseball stuff going on and ramping up football as well. So uh, feel free to hit me up on there. Perfect. Again, Mick, appreciate you, uh, appreciate you following. Well, yeah, that too. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you jumping on here tonight. I know it was last minute, but it worked out. I think it was actually a really fun episode. I enjoyed myself. No, um, I had a great time. Thanks a lot. Everybody else, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Uh, this is this is Bases Loaded Pod. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bases Loaded Pod. If you guys please have a moment, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps us on iTunes and all that. But um, other than that, guys. I know Mick has some articles probably coming out soon, football or baseball. I know I got mine. George has his coming up. It's, it's always a busy week. Every week's a busy week for us. So um, Fantrax HQ as a whole, we really have a great group of guys for pretty much any sport. So check it out. And with, with that being said, uh, we'll talk to you soon, guys.